We keep trading quality for efficiency. An essay by Matt Ruby. That's me. Uh, We love hacks. Anytime we can shave off a few seconds, trim the fat, and live more efficiently, it's so cool, right? But there's a dirty little secret about efficiency. We keep sacrificing quality to get it. Consider hand dryers, an efficient solution with only one minor drawback. They don't actually dry your hands. Inevitably, I wind up using the back of my shirt to finish the job. What the hell? Or how about QR codes? They make menus more efficient, right? Yeah, but they also make sitting down for dinner feel like going back to work. Just when you thought you had escaped screens for the night, you're forced back into scan and scroll zombie land. Here's BJ Novak on them. According to my iPhone, I am on my phone already 16, 17 hours right. a day. When I'm in a restaurant with another person, I the phone one time I'm actually like looking Away at a menu talking it. to a person, they're saying, will you please be on your phone now too? Dating apps make meeting a potential partner more efficient. But how's that working out in reality? We're in a sex recession. Women must navigate an avalanche of unsolicited dick pics. And incels won't stop kvetching about how they can't get laid. Congrats on all that convenience. In the past, there was a barrier to entry to getting published. You had to convince someone with a printing press to give you valuable page space. Now we've made publishing easy, turning it into a free-for-all, infinite scroll, hot take paradise. Everyone's, quote, in the media. As a result, no one trusts the media. Back when ranters had to write an actual letter to the editor, at least you knew they cared enough to put a stamp on an envelope and mail it. These days, it only takes a few clicks, so we're all just punch drunk on dunks. Portable Bluetooth speakers are neat for a trip to the beach or as a vacation stopgap. I get that. But people frequently use them for their entire home audio setup. Or even worse, they use tinny-sounding laptop speakers. Any audiophile could tell you that's a lame compromise. Proper speakers have a woofer, you know, that big thing at the bottom, to produce bass frequencies. And I hate to break it to you, there's no workaround for physics. But we've decided to trade the entire low end of the audio spectrum for portability and ease of use. Want to know the price you're paying? Put when the levee breaks on a real set of speakers, the kind that look like they belong in a 70s sunken living room. And then crank up the volume. Listen to John Bonham dinosaur stomp his kick drum in an elevator shaft and notice those vibrations in your chest. Now try that on a little Bluetooth speaker. You'll quickly realize there's a chasm between those two experiences. And that, in one form or another, is what we keep losing all the time. It'd be one thing if these were trade-offs we were carefully considering, but there's rarely any upfront active consent here. We're sold on all this as progress, and by the time we recognize the price we've paid, it's usually too late to go back. Predatory capitalism wins, yet again. We lick our wounds while they count their stacks. Now, I don't want to sound like some kooky Luddite Unabomber fan. I like that my home's wired for electricity and has indoor plumbing and is heated by gas, and I'm glad the newsletter I write isn't some zine I need to photocopy on a Xerox machine and leave at the local record store. Kids, Google Xerox to understand that last sentence, okay? The truth is, so many of our recent technological advancements feel rather trivial. 
We're not getting bulbs instead of candles, elevators instead of stairs, and airplanes instead of horse-drawn carriages. Instead, we keep getting minor tweaks that shave off edge-case inconveniences. It's nice that Alexa makes it so I don't have to write down my grocery list anymore, but that ain't exactly the interstate highway system. More and more, it feels like we're a bunch of amphetamine junkies desperate for increasing levels of acceleration. Like any good addict, we don't admit the problem. Instead, we refer to our addiction as productivity while ignoring the fact that we don't really seem to be producing anything of value. I mean, we're all on speed in a way, and sure, it's a rush, but it shouldn't be surprising when the inevitable crash follows. People smarter than me, like Bill Gates, disagree with all this and point to advances in gene editing, machine learning, driverless cars, robotic surgery, AI, and more. But a lot of those seem like a mixed bag at best. What if someone likes having a taxi with a driver and, gasp, wants to talk to them? Gene editing will help us live longer. What if living forever just makes us sadder? And stop showing me those goddamn robot dogs. I don't want them as our new security guards. But they'll be way more efficient. Yeah, so is RoboCop. Okay, look how that turned out. As we gain efficiency, we seem to be getting increasingly miserable. Now, correlation isn't necessarily causation, but perhaps those little bits of friction were providing us with something intangible, a kind of connective tissue for our daily lives. So-called time-saving devices were supposed to free us up to relax more, yet somehow we're busier than ever. And when we do have free time, we're not spending it digging wells or playing catch with our kids. We're just scrolling TikTok and watching porn. If you look at the definitions for hack at Merriam-Webster, there's one definition of hack as a clever tip or technique for doing or improving something. But if you keep going, there's another hack performed by or suited to a person who works or writes purely for the purpose of earning money, characteristic of a hack, mediocre. When we keep talking about hacks all the time, ask yourself, which one of those definitions feels more appropriate? We keep getting sold on clever efficiency that winds up feeling more and more like it's actually just sellable mediocrity. There's another way, though. Consider this a call to put down your arms, stop being a slave to efficiency, and decide to take your time every once in a while. Sure, you can take I-95, or you can take the scenic route and gawk at the changing leaves. You can drink Soylent at your cubicle or down fast food ASAP in your car, or you can eat like the French, savoring each bite of a lengthy meal alongside your friends and family. You can one-click order a top seller at Amazon, or you can wander a bookstore and find an old title that grabs your attention serendipitously. You can wham-bam thank you ma'am sex, or you can enjoy some foreplay first. Sure, whispering in someone's ear and caressing their back is less efficient, but isn't that the point? that essay originally appeared in my Rubes letter, my weekly newsletter that you can sign up for at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And now I'd like to bring in the producer of this podcast, Jeremiah McVeigh, to discuss what I wrote. Hey, Jeremiah, how you doing? Hey, Matt. Yeah. So I, I got to say, like, while I was listening to you, something came to mind that that I've been seeing lately. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. And, and as we're recording this, I've been seeing it all over like Twitter especially, maybe even Facebook and Instagram, I don't remember where, but these AI-generated images of people 
um, in all these different settings. Like you can upload a picture of yourself, I guess. I haven't done it myself, so I'm just kind of guessing how, how it works. But Oh, I did it. Uh, you did it? Okay. So you, you could speak more about this than I can. They're writing poetry and other stuff now too. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I keep seeing it. Well, I, I saw someone posted an AI thing, the Avengers, if directed by Wes Anderson. And when you saw the pictures at first, it was like, yeah, that looks pretty much like what a Wes Anderson Avengers movie would look like. But then someone zoomed in on the hands and hands are notoriously, I think, hard to draw for people. Like a good artist can draw hands and do something with them. And they're so expressive. But in all of these AI stills from this fake movie, um, the hands were just jumbled messes. Like some of the hands had like not enough fingers. Some had too many fingers. Some were just like they were just run together. It looked like a person had one long arm instead of two because they had their arms crossed. Um, so I, I don't know. That just struck me as a deficiency in these quick hacks that we have to like make these things that um, kind of goes to your point, I guess. So not so much a pushback as an observation, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got some of those images done and they're just weird and like some sort of like fun house mirror version of yourself. They're also always like super dorky where you're like on some planet or in some sci-fi, mm -hmm. like clearly the people behind it are a bunch of dorks who like, you know, want you to look like an anime character or you know, like give all the women huge boobs or something like that. It's just sort of like, okay, like, like it's the first edition of everything that comes out of the tech world is always like, man, some really dorky dudes made this, didn't they? Right. And then, you know, you've got the, these AI, you know, chat things that are now writing emails or articles or poetry even. And it's just sort of like, What's the end game here? Okay, so like, are the computers just gonna write everything, and then the computers are gonna read everything, and they're just gonna like talk to each other, and like, like, what? What's the actual advantage to us if everything we're consuming is just made via artificial intelligence? And I think actually, what it'll start to, as it gets better and better, there's just gonna be more and more value on humanity and mistakes and things. You know, it's sort of like the more auto-tuned our entire lives get, the more refreshing it is to hear someone like Billie Holiday who sings, you know, slightly off key or behind the beat or something and be like, oh, that's like a real human being conveying, you know, emotion and soul in a way that robots and auto-tune and, you know, things that are overly Photoshopped and airbrushed never do. Okay, well, why don't we leave it there then? Cool. Now for some quickies. I'm aging like an iPhone. My face is cracked, my memory's shot, and when I get frisky, I gotta do it in low power mode so I don't finish too soon. New Orleans is fun because you can be covered in cocaine and played off by saying, I was just eating beignets. How to be fashionable as a man. Hide what you actually look like as much as possible. Layers upon layers. Put on glasses. Wear a hat. Scarves. Anything it takes. Just cover it all up and let us use our imaginations. I'm Jewish, but I'm not like super Jewish. Like bring me to a synagogue and this is how I'll start praying. Baruch Atah Adonai. Uh, Hakuna Matata. Hala Vietnam.
You can subscribe to or follow this show just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or anywhere else that allows you to do that. And when I say that, I mean, like, leave it a good review. I feel like that's obvious, but if, you, if you're just going to leave it a bad review, you, you don't have to. Anyway, it helps others find the show, which I really appreciate. Uh, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at mattruby at hey.com. That's mattruby at H-E-Y dot com. And if you like this podcast, you should subscribe to the Rubes Letter, where what you just heard first appeared. You can find that at mattrubycomedy.com slash subscribe. And while you're at mattrubycomedy.com, you can also find links to my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, where I post clips of my stand-up and other stuff, too. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.